sometimes when we go to a conference and we learn a hundred things that you can do, I would say just pick one thing new and do it, implement it. Don't go crazy and try to do everything at the same time because you're not going to get anywhere. Welcome to the Real Estate Monopoly podcast. My name is Kerwin Donis. My brothers and I got into real estate investing to achieve financial freedom and help underserved communities in Guatemala, where our mom is from. Real estate is the vehicle we're taking to achieve our goals. And you can too. On this show, we share the stories of some of the most successful real estate investors to show you that you can succeed in real estate just like they have. Each episode, we deliver inspiring and educational content that will empower you to launch your real estate investing career and achieve your financial goals. Let's go. Born and raised in Lima, Peru, Annette Tully moved to Florida and acquired her Bachelor's of Architecture from Florida Atlantic University. Due to the financial crisis and Great Recession, in 2010, Annette started to look for other options besides architecture to reach financial freedom. In 2012, she acquired her first investment property. Today, Annette manages 53 units, including her personal portfolio of 34 units. She holds 194 units with her partners. Additionally, she hosts her podcast, Real Estate Deal Closers, and a video series called Three Expert Tips on her YouTube channel. Annette turned to real estate investing when she came to the realization that she didn't want her income to come from a single stream. This desire to create multiple revenue sources pushed her to enter the investment space. Oh, hey, I am so excited to be here. I've been investing for about nine years now. And I just started because I just didn't want to have all my income in one pot. I'm an architect. My husband is an architect. So by nature, we were already depending on this industry. And when the um, recession in 2008 hit, it really affected both of us. Our income uh, combined went down and uh, it was not a good time. So we realized that we needed to uh, diversify. And we kept thinking about different businesses that we wanted to do. And we settled with real estate. And uh, so we just started with a duplex. Uh, we thought, you know, this is our daughter's uh, college education and that's how it started. And then it grew into a second duplex for my son because he needed also a college ed- education if he chose to. And then, uh, you know, I started, I had been uh, working as a property manager uh, for a few years then. And I realized the power of real estate and I had already the experience of uh, managing and dealing with tenants. So I, you know, I decided to, to grow. And so, you know, from that, you know, I kept buying and buying and, you know, I just closed on an eight unit uh, last week on an under contract on a 14 unit. So I'm over 50 units here in Florida. And I also have 194 in Ohio with my partner. So um, I am pretty much full-time real estate, even though I still work as an architect uh, part-time and as a property manager, I self-manage my Uh, properties here in Florida, and I also a couple of investors that I manage for. Annette skipped over the single-family space and went straight to multifamily real estate. It took her some time to find her first deal, and although she had fear, she kept pushing until she bridged the gap between faith and fact. I didn't even know what a limiting belief was then. I just knew I could buy something. Um, I had, we had been saving for a while. we, I didn't want to do a single family because a new multifamily, at least even with a duplex, if one side of the duplex was empty, at least I had half of the income coming in. So I really didn't want to do a house because if the house was empty, it was empty, no income at all. 
Um, but I just didn't, I didn't really start with a vision that I'm going to do this full time. So at that point, I didn't have a limiting belief. I just, you know, it took one year to find the right property because we were scared, like nothing was good. We always found problem until we found our first property that was perfect, ready to go. It was empty. So we just had to close and then put a sign and move people in and it was perfect. Um, but as I started, you know, getting more into real estate and seeing the possibilities, you know, of course, you know, you, you get scared. You don't know if you're going to be able to make it. But one thing that I am really good at is when I am, when I get scared, I just know that I need to push because I, I know that I can do it. I, I just look around and look at other people doing it. And I think to myself, if they can do it, so can I. So I just, even though I'm scared, I just, you know, do one step at a time and then I keep going. So it is a, a constant struggle with limiting beliefs. After a long year of looking for a deal, Annette and her husband finally found their first investment property. They lived frugally so they could invest their extra capital into real estate, and it paid off. So that first deal, like I said, we were looking for a year. So um, at that time, uh, my husband and I had been traveling for a year around Asia, and we were backpacking. So when we came back, we knew we could live with a, like nothing. You know, we were living for six months with a backpack with like, you know, five sets of clothes and a couple of books. And we knew that we didn't need a lot to live and we didn't have kids at that time. So, you know, we, when we came back, we started working again and we started living very frugally. So we were able to save a lot of money on that first year that we were looking for property. And um, so we were able to buy this first property cash. Um, and we had been looking already for a year, like I said, so as soon as we saw this one, we already knew exactly that this was what, what we wanted. You know, we had seen already a lot. We had had offers that didn't, you know, that went through, but then, you know, they fell through and, you know, inspections that, you know, we did and then it didn't happen. So when we saw this one, I, I think my husband sent it to me on a Friday at 4 p.m. And he was working at the office and this place was near the office. So I told him, go drive by it. So he drove by it, he came back home and said, I like it, let's offer. And, the, and it was the first day on the market. So we sent an offer and on Saturday, very early in the morning, and they responded, oh, we wanna wait until Monday. So by Monday, they had multiple offers. And so they asked uh, three of us to um, give the best and final. And we had already, if I'm not mistaken, given them an offer that was either five or 10,000 more than what they were asking. And so they asked us for the best and final on Monday. And then we we knew the property was worth more than what they listed for. I think they, they just did it very low to create a lot of excitement and people were going to, you know, creating a bidding war. But, you know, we talked to one of my mentors and he told me, now is the time that you need to think about as an investor. An investor is not going to mind paying 5000 to 10000 more if he knows or she knows that the property is worth it. So with that in mind, we knew the numbers. We had been working, you know, in the area. We knew the rents. So we knew that we could um, offer 10,000 more. And so that's what we did. So we offered 10,000 more and we knew that uh, the numbers worked and we got it. So it was very exciting to, to be able to buy. And we bought it cash. So we had the money, uh, which is very unusual. I think if I did it again, maybe I would have done 
more leverage on that one. Uh, but looking back to it, after five years, I refinanced and with the money that I cash out, I bought a six unit. So it really worked out amazing. And those units, when I acquired the property, were renting for $500 each side. Now I have each side at 1100 So, it, you know, it's a crazy, crazy uh, appreciation on that property. And also the rents have gone up a lot. A friend of Annette's connected her with an investor who offered her a life-changing opportunity. By putting herself out there and telling others she was looking to get into real estate, she created her own luck. Annette took advantage of it, and by saying yes, she transitioned into the real estate space and didn't look back. Right, so, you know, I, you know, we came from this trip, my husband and I, six months, and we have been married already for 10 years, and we were thinking of kids and how to diversify our income, we didn't want to be depending. So um, a friend of mine from work, uh, he knew that I was uh, looking into real estate and he owned property. And we had been asking him, he's one of my our mentors, uh, asking him about the property, how to do the numbers. And, you know, he was kind of coaching us through the process and his cousin wanted to buy a property in Florida. So he asked me, are you interested in um, managing the property? And I had no idea. By the time that he gave us this opportunity, I was already like, six to seven months pregnant uh, with my daughter and I just had no idea but I said yes and I think that yes was what changed everything like I wouldn't be here today if I didn't say yes to that opportunity so one thing that I always preach is be ready to take advantage of opportunities because they only appear once if you miss it then you your life can take a totally different turn and so that, you know, I ended up taking over the property, at, you know, eight months pregnant. I remember I, I took a break when I delivered for like a month. The owner came down to Florida and, and managed it for that month that I was out. But then after that, I was managing it with my, with my baby and I would go with her and, you know, pick up the rent and, you know. Um, so it was an, a really nice experience because he knew I didn't have experience, but he knew that I was willing to learn and I am a fast learner and very eager to learn. And I think those are really qualities that people appreciate. Like you don't have to know everything, but if you're willing to learn, uh, I think that's more valuable. And so I just learned from him. And the first year I would call him constantly every day, like this happened, what do I do? And that happened, what do I do? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? So it, you know, it was really amazing to be able to learn and at the same time get paid uh, because that job allowed me to stay home for nine months with uh, my daughter. So I didn't have to go back to my office at, you know, week six. I think I had only a couple of weeks to, to stay home. So I am so grateful for that opportunity. In her new role, Annette oversaw multiple properties. She put systems in place to maximize her time and create efficiency while maintaining the properties she was in charge of. She learned the hard way that finding a good property manager was easier said than done. Yeah, so, you know, having a maintenance person that it's a good maintenance person is, it's a need. Like you have to have a good maintenance person and it will take time if you're new, you're gonna go through a lot of people. And at the beginning, it took me a lot of time to let go of the people that were not working good. And I was always on the, you know, on the picture, like, oh, I gotta, we gotta do this. And I had to go look at it because I didn't trust what he was telling me. Um, so, but once you find this, you know, person that is, you know, that you can trust and they are good at 
doing their job, then you can remove out of the picture and you can ask, ask them to have pictures and you know you background check them they are going to be able to access the units without you being there um you know it's it just uh, a maintenance person that you can trust and that that's a good job is the basic thing um i try to do a lot of texting texting rather than phone calls because phone calls can take a long time so if i can resolve issues just texting i do that and i have a bunch of texts that are pre um like I've done it so many times that I noticed, you know, I'm sending this, this text many times. So I just type it up and saved it in a note. And then I automatically, you know, type three letters and I set it up in my phone and it just types the whole thing. So I just send it out. So if somebody is inquiring about the property, I just can type three letters and it gives them all the information and all the questions for me to pre-screen. And then, you know, I spend the time uh, with the people. I, I don't really... I try not to answer the phone too much if I'm pre-screening. I like to have, like I have five questions that I ask every person that reaches to, out to me. And if they don't answer those questions, I don't even bother. And if they answer, then we can follow the, the, the conversation and then I can give them the application and all that. Um, what other systems do I use? Um, I, you know, rent collection uh, electronically. Uh, you know, at the beginning, I would go there and collect, you know, money orders and checks. And I still do have a couple of people that I have to do that. Um, but I, I like to do it um, because it gives me the opportunity to go to the property and, uh, you know, look at it, make sure that the maintenance person is doing their job, the landscape person is doing their job. So, you know, I really only go there for the most part once a month, maybe twice. Uh, but, you know, collecting rent electronically and, you know, setting up the late fees automatically, that removes you from having to do it manually. So that's an amazing way to save time. Annette managed the properties for six months before she outsourced it to someone else. Through this experience, she learned the essentials of property management, which allowed her to distinguish a good property manager from a bad one. When I started, I started with 16 units, which was uh, a lot for a beginner, but half of the units were empty. Uh, we took over the building was really in bad shape. And so we had to remodel from bottom to top. We replaced the windows, the doors, the roof, new landscape, painted the building, security cameras. Every apartment was remodeled in the lapse of three years. Um, so at the beginning, my architectural experience helped me a lot because we were remodeling units and doing all this construction. Um, on the management part, um, I started managing that 16 unit and then I added my own stuff. So I think I started with 18. Um, I mean, it is not a lot. I am right now at up to 50, 58 with the eight that I just acquired uh, that I'm doing here locally. Um, I do have actually 13 that are out of town and that is another challenge. Uh, but what I, you know, when I say six months, why six months? You know, when I started, I didn't know how, what, how much wood cost. I didn't know you know, how much would be for a toilet to be replaced? I didn't know, um, you know, the remodeling, how much a remodeling would cost. So by managing it yourself, you start learning all these costs. So when somebody tells you, oh, I'll do it for this much, you're like, mm, that sounds too much or that sounds too low. Are you including this? Are you including that? Are you gonna clean up? Are you gonna do this? So it gives you a little bit of an idea of pricing uh, because that's very important. You need to know what your prices are, otherwise you're gonna be overpaying. 
or you're going to be underpaying and then it's going to be a really bad job. If it's too good to be true, it's too cheap, then it's probably not a good job. Um, the other reason is I like to give, give the, um, the maintenance people like a job that I know it's going to take this much time and I know more or less how much it's going to cost. So it's kind of like a test. And if they do it correctly and in the same price range, then, you know, we're good to go. Um, and so you kind of test them, you know, on the first time, you know, you're going to have the first contractor I had was not the best contractor, you know, and then you start learning, you know, what to tell them. Like one time this maintenance guy I had, I told him, yeah, paint, we had painted already a couple of apartments and I told him paint this apartment. When I go see it, he had painted the same color for the baseboard and the and the wall and it was flat paint and you don't want to have flat paint in an apartment first of all you want eggshell and then you don't want the baseboard to be uh, you want them to be glossy so that they don't you know that dirt doesn't stick and it was also a two-tone color that I, we normally painted and he just did one color so it was like you've done this two times before why are you why did you decide to do it differently so I knew that he wasn't listening to me. He wasn't paying attention to what he had done before when I was there and I told him, do this, do that. Um, so I knew that I had to find somebody else uh, because he wasn't paying attention. And then he would just, you know, to talk too much to the tenants and, you know, then the tenants knew what I was doing. And I was telling my people, you know, I am the point of contract, the contact. You don't have to tell the tenants everything. They are not your clients. So if you have any questions, tell me, and if they have any questions, ask them to call me, because then I can control the information that they have, you know, like if there is, um, you know, we're planning to do more projects and they don't know yet because I haven't told them, and I'm, there's a reason why I don't want them to know yet, uh, I don't want my maintenance person to be telling them, you know, we're going to be doing this next, and then they're complaining, oh, I didn't really know, so it's very important that they uh, follow instructions and that they Pay attention to what you tell them, you know, and, and so that they follow through. Her background in property management has been very beneficial for Annette throughout her real estate investing career. Now, she knows how to vet property managers and understands what questions to ask to see if they are qualified. I would ask them, what's their turnover time? You know, a lot of property management companies, especially the large ones, they take like a month to fill an apartment. And I know I can do it in a day. So I will not, you know, a week I would be okay with, but I wouldn't be okay with one month for an apartment to rent. Depending on the area, like where I own my property, especially the one on the beach, I know that that one, I can have somebody, you know, living one day, have it cleaned, painted if needed. And then in a day or two, the next person can move in. So I, you know, I, I will, I like to know how long they take to, to turn over units because one month of rent is too much to lose. Uh, when I know I can do it in, you know, one or two days, maybe, you know, 15 days. Um, so that would be one. Um, what fees do they charge? Because, you know, and how, how many of those fees are going to me and how many of those are they keeping? Uh, because I want to make sure that if we are, charging the tenants a lot of fees, then, then I'm getting the benefit of it. I don't want a property manager to be charging a lot of fees and then uh, and our NOI is not going up and then the tenants are not renting or it's hard to find tenants because they have all these fees. Uh, so I want the fees to be reasonable uh, and then I want our NOI to be, 
you know, to increase by some of these uh, fees. Um, how often are they going to be going to the property? You know, I would like them to at least drive by once a month. Um, what is their procedure for eviction? You know, how, you know, what's the late fees? How do they collect the money? Um, how fast do they deliver a three-day notice when somebody didn't pay? Um, the maintenance, do they have maintenance in-house or do they hire everything out? If they hire everything out, you're going to be paying more money than if they have somebody in-house that you can pay, that you pay by the hour and they work at different properties so they can schedule that person. So right now, for example, uh, my maintenance guy comes to my property every Friday. And the good thing is sometimes if he, if he has other stuff to do and there is nothing to do in our property, you know, he lets me know and then I tell him, you don't have to come which saves me money, but I know that every Friday I'm going to have my maintenance guy there. So when I um, have uh, requests for repairs, if they are not an emergency, I, told, I tell them, you know, I, I will have my guy go on Friday. And so I, I put all my requests together and then he goes on Friday and does everything at once. And that saves me a lot of money. Obviously, if there is an emergency, you have to fix it right away um, in a reasonable time. It doesn't have to be right away, but reasonable time. Uh, so, you know, that may, I may have to do an extra call to, to get them, my maintenance guy there earlier, but if it's not an emergency, then they can wait and we can do it all on Friday. When Annette screens potential residents, it's important for her to do her due diligence on them. Through certain processes she uses, she's able to maintain a positive living community for the people who live in her properties. I like to, um, to put my postings on Facebook. Uh, marketplace it's free um, and i also do it with apartments.com and you get but i like facebook because it gives you a little window into the person that you're renting to and i love to see you know sometimes you they send you <laughs> the application or, or the questions that i ask and then you look through their pictures and then they have like a super messy house and you're like mm, <laughs> maybe not i don't know so you know if they haven't applied then maybe i don't respond uh, you know, it, it just gives you a little bit more info on who you are renting it to because, you know, some people can look amazing on an application, but then, you know, they are not such good tenants. You know, they not necessarily they could pay on time. I had a, a tenant that he, you know, was amazing. He paid on time, never had a problem collecting, but he had some medical issues and he didn't take his drugs at times. At times. And then he would cause trouble with tenants uh, next to them he, because he would make too much noise. And, you know, so you couldn't know that on the application. He had a good job. He had a good credit. It's just, you know, something that you don't expect. Um, but I have five questions that I ask everybody before I even give them much information. So I post, I do my ad, and I include price. I include all the rules on the ad. Some people, most people don't read it, but I include everything there. So if they ask me, I'm like, read the ad. <laughs> but I ask them uh, when they want to move in. A lot of times people want to move in in two months. And, you know, that's too early for me to, to tell them because I normally fill my units really fast. Uh, so I, I ask them to call me back in 15 days. How many people's, how many people is the apartment for? Like, uh, is it just for you or how many people? Um, and Sometimes they tell you just two, but then, you know, adults or kids, and then they have like a hundred kids, you know? So <laughs> I always ask, uh, is that adults and kids? 
Okay, so if it's a one-bedroom apartment, I, I can't have four people. You know, I can have two, maybe a baby and the parents, fine. Uh, or if it's a two-bedroom, you know, you cannot have seven people. You know, you can have four, uh, maybe five, you know, if it's a kid. Uh, so I like to ask, you know, how many people are moving in? Um, what's the monthly income? Because if their income is not three times the rent, then, you know, there is no point of them wasting money on application. They are not going to qualify. Any background issues or evictions? You know, I don't want them to waste money applying and then I'm going to get it on the application and, you know, they are not going to qualify depending. You know, I like when tenants tell me, hey, I had this problem this many years ago, but I've been fixing it or blah, blah, blah. And I like it when they do that versus when somebody tells me, no, I have no problems. And then you check and they have a criminal record that is like super long. And then you're like, okay, he's hiding something. Obviously he's not trying to, to be forward. And so I, you know, that's a disqualifier for me if they lie. Um, there's one more question that I can't remember right now. So when are they moving in? Uh, how many people? I can remember the other one, uh, but you know, if they don't, I, I, sometimes I said, it's like, I sent it like quick, a quick list, all of the questions in on one. Um, and uh, some people don't want to respond. And uh, I said, well, that's fine. If you don't want to respond, then I don't want to rent to you because I really, I don't want to waste my time having them doing an application and then, you know, be disqualified. Going through the application takes time. It's going to cost them money. And, you know, at the beginning, I didn't do a background check. Um, and I had a few people that um, were not the best tenants. Uh, I don't know if, like, I had one time I had a hoarder. And I don't think that that would have shown up um, on the credit score necessarily. She always paid on time. Um, I had some druggies as well. Um, and actually, those, I did check their, their background and, you know, nothing showed up. So you never know. Uh, but I'm using a better background checker and credit score. Um, I don't really put a lot of weight on the credit score as long as there is no active collections. Um, I think, you know, everybody can have a problem, especially after 2008 with everybody, <laughs> you know, went bankruptcy or, you know, had an, uh, you know, debt. Um, as long as they don't have active collections that they are not working with the creditors, um, you know, they are normally, they have a hard time finding a place to stay, so they will be good tenants because they will make sure that they pay on time. Keeping long-term residents is beneficial for the health of a real estate property for many reasons. When multifamily investors acquire a property, raising the rents is a common way to add value. However, this can have a negative impact on the community and cause residents to leave due to the increase in payments they have to make every month. Annette has struggled in the past with balancing this value add play with the turnover issues that result when a resident leaves. Now, she approaches things in a different way that keeps more residents in place and allows her to avoid turnover costs. So, you know, turnover um, most likely will end up in painting the apartment and that's a big expense. A small apartment could range from $750 to $1,000 just to paint it. You know, now you have to clean it. You have to fix everything that is wrong with the apartment. Even if it's your fault or if the tenant's fault, you have to spend the time fixing it. Um, I do have on my leases that, you know, if the apartment is not the way that we gave it to them, that there is a deposit and we will use it. But, you know, if somebody only moves in for um, a year, 
probably the paint is going to look okay, but you will still have to touch up and that takes time and money. So um, sometimes you need to weigh a little bit how much are you trying to increase the rent versus how much is going to cost you if they leave, right? So I had one tenant um, and that's when I realized, hmm, I need to be careful with this. Um, I was raising the rent, um, I think probably $25 or $50. Um, and so he this, he said that he was going to stay, but then last minute he said, no, no, I'm going to move. I found something cheaper. And I was like, okay, um, because I could raise the rent more. Once he left, I could raise it for $100. Um, but, you know, I had to paint the apartment completely. I had to, you know, do a lot of repairs. The kitchen wasn't the best. So I had to like, you know, make it look nice. And I was able at the end to rent it for a hundred dollars more, but, you know, to recover everything that I spent on the turnover, it was probably $1,500. It was going to take me more than a year of that extra hundred dollars. So sometimes, you know, it's better to do a $25 increase instead of a $50 because, you're gonna end up not having to spend the other money and you're gonna keep your tenant in place. So if you have a good tenants and they are paying on time, giving them uh, small increases every year is gonna be better than not doing an increase in three years and then doing like a hundred dollar increase because they are not gonna like it. They're not gonna be happy with it. And when you do it in small pieces, it's not worth for them to do all the expense of moving and all the effort for just $25. But it may be worth for 50 or 100. So, you you know, there's a fine line where you need to decide. And so what I do is I call my tenants and I tell them, hey, you know, I know that you're an amazing tenant and I would love you to stay. But, you know, my expenses have gone up and you can explain a lot of times it's taxes and insurance go up and you can explain that to them. And I have to raise the rent. I would normally do it for a 50. But because you're a good tenant, I will only increase 25 then you get that increase in NOI and you have a tenant that is not moving and you don't have to do, you know, the turnover cost that is going to be at least a thousand dollars. So that's the way I approach it. You know, 90% of the time when I call my tenants and I explain why uh, they are okay with it. Um, this last time that I did it, I sent a letter um, and then I texted them or asked them to call me and, you know, everybody renewed. Um, but I think it's uh, it's probably, it will save you a lot of money if you can keep your tenants long-term instead of doing a turnover every year. Imagine, you know, spending $1,000 every year, the increase that you are realizing is not gonna be, give you any more money on your NOI. On her first multifamily syndication deal, Annette built a relationship with a sponsor who gave her a great opportunity. By leading with value and leveraging her own talents, Annette got into her first syndication as a general partner and added a great asset to her portfolio. Yeah, so, you know, when I bought my third duplex, you know, I got two duplexes and then I bought a third one. I was watching bigger packets and then there was a challenge and I'm like, I'm going to buy the next one. And uh, I, you know, with that one, I bought it with a line of credit of on my house. And I had started already looking at different um ways more creative ways to acquire property because on the first one i bought it cash then i saved save 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 the second one i put the deposit down and then on the third one we didn't have any more money like we had spent all the money on the two first ones so you know i did the line of credit on my house then I, we had six units and i was like it's gonna take forever to keep going this way if i just save money to get the next one and so you know i set a goal of um you know 
going bigger. And I joined a mastermind and, you know, it's, I always recommend people joining a mastermind because it's going to um, allow you to talk to people that are doing the same that you're doing or doing things that you want to do. And it's so motivational to see people around you doing these things, because if you go to a party or you go to a you know birthday party or a kid's birthday, like, you know, people are not doing this. So you don't, you're not constantly hearing, like I did this, I did that and giving you the ideas. Uh, when you are meeting weekly with a group of people that are like-minded, your mind explodes. So when I joined this mastermind with all the information, I was able to cash out on my first property and buy a six units, my first commercial property. So then I doubled my portfolio in a very short time. So I think I joined in January and then I bought my six units in May. Um, and it, it's all about focus, right? I was, I wanted to do what I wanted to do, but I wasn't focused. So once I focused, like I, this is what I want to do, I did it. And I was like, you know what? This wasn't that hard. Uh, you know, let me go bigger. And when I started, you know, when I decided to go bigger, that's when I discovered syndications and how you can partner with people and they bring the money, you bring the knowledge and the work, and then you do, uh, you do it together. So I started networking with people. I, I educated myself. I went to conferences. So I started, uh, you know, looking into doing these opportunities and, you know, networking is one of the things that changed my investing. I did the first seven years probably by myself without much knowledge, just like, you know, I want to do this and then I would research just that and do it. And, um, you know, joining these groups and educating myself, going to conferences, like, you know, opened my mind. I started networking with a lot of people and uh, having the attitude of, yes, I can do it or, you know, connecting with others. I ended up um, talking to a fellow um, mastermind member and I had started getting these properties in the same area that he was investing in. So I would send it to him. Like, what do you think about this? What do you think of all that? And most of them he already had, uh, he had already seen them and underwrote and then they were not good, but that led to more conversations of, you know, oh, you know, do you guys want me to keep sending you stuff? Because, you know, I think you already have it. I don't, you know, if you don't want a partner, that's fine. And they were like, no, no, we would love to partner with you. We have this, you know, at the time it was like 300 and something units, which ended up dividing into two separate deals. And we got one and somebody else got the other one. So it was 184 units. And, you know, we have this deal and we would love for you to help us with it. Uh, you know, we have to do the, the marketing brochure and we don't know how to do it. And I was like, oh, I can do it. You know, and so that I can do it. And that conversation that started from just networking um, led to me being part of this deal, my first syndication. And it's an amazing team. I already knew uh, part of the team because they were on my mastermind and I knew who he was. Um, I almost got involved in a different syndication and I called him to ask him some questions and, you know, that, you know, having that um, connection helped that when he wanted somebody to help him, he thought of me as well. And me reaching out to him at the right moment you know, made it happen. So it's all about networking and, and focusing on what you want and connecting with the right people. So, you know, if you want to do um, flipping, then connect to flippers, join a flipping mastermind. If you want to do syndications, go to conferences, connect with people that are doing it, you know, ask questions, uh, offer to help. 
right? Like, you know, when he said, like, I don't know how to do this, like, I can do it. I can help you with that. You know, so I ended up joining the, the, the team. I raised way more than what I thought I was going to raise on my first one. So I was super proud of it. Uh, and they were like pretty surprised as well. They didn't think that I, I was going to be able to raise that much. Um, so it was an incredible um, opportunity. Uh, we are now still, you know, we still own it. It's been a year. Uh, we have turned over about 70 units out of the, of the 194. Uh, our occupancy is at almost 90%. Um, it was a heavy lift. Uh, you know, when we acquired it was, you know, it had a lot of vacancy and that, that's one of the reasons why we got it for a really good price. And we had the team to be able to to renovate and the management in place. So it's been a, a roller coaster. We, you know, through COVID, we had a lot of delays with materials, which, you know, <clears throat> cabinets and appliances were hard to find, especially when you are doing so much renovation, when you're doing so many units, you know, you can only find this amount and then you have to scramble to find the other ones. Um, so it was a little bit of a challenge, but uh, we're excited because uh, we are getting offer, offers, unsolicited offers to buy the property. It's not on the market yet. So that's a, a good sign that we, you know, we're doing the right thing and our investors are going to uh, realize uh, a great return on their investment much faster than our projections that were five years. So we are excited about that. Although Annette is a fan of being opportunistic, some challenging times have taught her to be careful with who she trusts. Now, she understands that although you should take advantage of doors when they open, you should always follow your gut and do your own due diligence before jumping into things such as partnerships without fully assessing the situation. So I always say that, you know, you have to be ready to say yes, right? Like you want to take the opportunities, but on the same token, you have to be careful on who you partner with and who you are trusting um you know you i think i did an interview a few maybe six months ago to eight months ago and they asked me if i had a, like a what was my big failure and i was like honestly so far everything is going amazing i haven't had any problems and then you know um i i was really eager to to grow fast and you know i partner with somebody that wasn't as um truthful as as i thought even though i checked i traveled to the place, I looked at it, you know, uh, I ended up finding out that rents were not being deposited and that the monies were not there. So I think the lesson is I did have everything look good, but I did have some feeling that maybe it's not a good idea, but I still went through it. So I think following your in instincts when, when you're, you know, wanting to partner with people, um, I think it pays off. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I don't know if anybody could have seen coming and I did it the right way with the right paperwork. You know, there was, you know, I researched it and it still, it wasn't the best. Um, it was resolved amicably. You know, I sold my, my part of it and I still got a return of 10%, which is good. Um, but it could have been way more if, if the two sides, you know, would have done their job and we would have, uh, you know, refinanced these properties and, and cash out and then keep them as rentals. Uh, but I'm happy that it was a small, you know, amount and that it, you know, it ended, it took six months to be able to, to resolve it. But um, I think at the end, um, you know, it's an, an amazing learning um, lesson that, you know, you got to really know who you're partnering with. Um, 
And that leads me to the second one where, you know, um, I partnered with some people that they just wanted me to help them with experience. And then last minute they turned and then they didn't want to um, pay my my uh, commission. And I was like, whoa, like, you know, I don't really want to partner with you if you do that like days before the closing and, you know, put me in a corner. So I was able to turn it around and still acquire the property uh, without them, which was awesome. Um, but it was just the, the most stressful days of my life. So, you know, I realized, you know, you have to be very careful who you partner with and you have to know them. Like, you know, I know that a lot of times you're very eager and you want to do it and you think you know people, but really take the time to to meet people and see them in stress, stressful situations, right? Because it's very easy to band together against one person and then try to put them in a corner and, you know, they think that you have to do what they say because, you know, they have you in a corner. Um, but, you know, if you meet people in a, on a, you know, constant basis, like that's why I love meetups. You know, I, I tell people, I host a meetup in South Florida. It's in Delray Beach, the third Wednesday of the month. And I tell people, you need to come every month. You know, if you just come one time uh, every four months, you're not really going to know anybody. Like to be able to really know people, you need to be there uh, on a regular basis and get to know people. And, and you're going to see who are the people that are doing projects and who are the ones that just go to, you know, to meet people and not really are not serious about real estate. And, you know, I have to say I've met two of my partners that are amazing on my meetup. Uh, I also met another one of my partners in a, uh, partners in a conference and we just kept the conversation going and, you know, we really like each other. We had this connection um, and then we just continue uh, the, the relation through Zoom and calls and it turned out to be an amazing partner. You know, at some point, one of the properties that we bought together, uh, the transaction was going to fall through because um, I, I don't, we were negotiating and, oh, the we had to get an extension because the loan was not going to be on time. And, you know, this new partner was like, okay, let's buy cash. I'll put the money and then you wire the money to me. And so that was an amazing, you know, um, resource to have a partner that can, you know, close cash and then you just pay the money to them. So, you know, making sure that you bet your partners and that you know them because you, when you form a partnership and you are together, legally you are also liable for whatever they do because they are part of your partnership so you want to make sure that whoever you partner with they are um, people that are uh, respectable and that they are not going to do any uh, crazy stuff and then affect you so you know her passion for real estate keeps Annette driven every day unlike the investors who get into real estate to do something else after they reach their financial goals Annette is in the industry for the long haul she loves the business and enjoys providing value to those she works alongside. I think it's a work in progress and it's always going to be a work in progress. You know, I am the type of person that I love real estate and I it's not I know some people are like, oh, I'm going to buy 10 units and then I want to replace my income and then that's it. I love deals and I love seeing the results of remodeling and and you know, and seeing the results like this weekend, I went up north, uh, we were going to uh, visit family. And then I, you know, make sure that I had this little side project on one of my properties so that I could go see it and make sure that it was done the way I like it. So I kind of mix my vacation with work. 
Um, and I love it. You know, like somebody said, like, I'm a, I'm a deal junkie and I think I am one too. Uh, I love putting deal together. I love to see the transformation from when you buy it and when you make it nice and, you know, you're able to raise the rents and now you refinance, you cash your money, you get it all out and then you still get a cash flow. Um, so, you know, I think I'm going to be doing it for a long time and I'm going to keep growing. I am getting a lot of uh, people reaching out that, you know, want to uh, partner with me. And, and so it is, you know, I'm always on the look for deals and always on the look for partners. Time freedom and financial freedom are major factors that motivate Annette to continue to push on and grow her portfolio. She hopes to eventually travel more while continuing to work on her real estate business for as long as she can. My goal is financial freedom and so that I have time freedom. Um, so, you know, like financial freedom, you know, you don't need your job and you can just do whatever you want. So that's the first goal. But at the same time, I also want to automate and remove myself from the equation so that I only do what I want to do in the business uh, eventually uh, so that I can spend more time with my family. I love uh, traveling and I love to go, you know, with my kids on vacation. So I would love to be able to do, you know, vacations once a month and, you know, have my business and focus on my business when I'm here. I, I love working. So it's, I don't think I will ever be like, oh, I'm just going to travel the world and never work again. Uh, I just love working. So I'm always going to keep growing my business. Um, right now I am at 50 units here in Florida, 194 in, oh, 58 from the last closing. Um, 194 in Ohio. Um, so I see myself, my, my board says 500 units in Florida. So that's where I'm heading. I was talking to my neighbor the other day and I was leaving and I had my meetup and she's like, oh, you're working. And I'm like, no, I'm not working. It's my meetup. I have fun. And she looked at me like, you're working. <laughs> Although staying comfortable might be the easier choice, doing something different can lead to major changes that can benefit you in the long run. Annette's life has been altered for the better because she was willing to take chances and try new things. Do something new. You know, sometimes when, you know, we go to a conference and we learn a hundred things that you can do and then you're overwhelmed and then you don't know anything. I would say just pick one thing new and do it, implement it. And then, you know, once you have it implemented, then you can go to the next one thing that you can do. Don't go crazy and try to do everything at the same time because you're not going to get anywhere. So if you implement one thing at a, at a time, you're going to go farther. And that's that's the way that I um, try to do things. I do a list of things that I have to do, and then I just go one by one. And then at the end of the day, you look at the list and you're like, wow, I did all this. When I don't make a list, then it's a mess. I waste time on Facebook. I waste time just in the house. Uh, but when you're focused and you make a list and you just go through the list, it's so much more efficient. If anyone wants to learn more about Annette, her business, or listen to her podcast, here's where you can go to find out more. So you can find me on YouTube. My podcast is on YouTube. It's Real Estate Deal Closers. My channel is Annette Lee, like my name. And you can find me on Facebook as Annette Lee, uh, Instagram as Tali Investments, um, LinkedIn as Annette Lee. And my website is the best uh, place to find free resources. I have a book uh, list that you can download to start reading and educating yourself. I have a free um, 
vocabulary for commercial uh, multifamily that you can download for free. And then my passive investing guide that really teaches you what is syndication and how uh, passive investors and active investors can buy together uh, 500 units. Um, so super excited about that. And you can download it for free. My website is taliinvestments.com. Thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate Monopoly podcast. If you got value from this episode, please do us a favor and give us a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Make sure to visit our website at www.donisinvestmentgroup.com backslash monopoly, where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you'll never miss a show. If you want to avoid the top five mistakes passive investors make, you can also check out our free ebook by going to www.donisinvestmentgroup.com and downloading it. Be sure to tune in to our next episode. Until then, take care, guys.